Guns and Gambo, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. It was a picture of DeAndre Hopkins standing in a Cardinals uniform. He's got his helmet in his hands. And all it said was, forever grateful. He tweeted it out, or he uh, Instagrammed it. This morning, last night, I saw it this morning. It might have been last night. I don't know for sure. Um, boy, it sure as hell looks like a pie, doesn't it? <laughs> Just yeah. So, sure as, I don't know what else, like you said earlier, I don't know yeah. what else it would be. Hey, I'm grateful. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yep. Time to go. Time to go. He doesn't I mean, say it, but I, it, it, it's, that's implied. It's time to go. Yeah, I think we've kind of had the feeling. I've, I've heard from people talking about that Hopkins is probably going to want to not be a part of a rebuild and go somewhere else for four weeks now. So not surprised at all that, that this is coming out now. I've even heard that, you know, again, he would prefer uh, the, the Chargers or the Jaguars, the two teams he likes. But those situations, that's what he likes. They may not have the ability to get him, uh, but a lot of other teams will. I mean, there's going to be no shortage of teams that would inquire about uh, getting DeAndre Hopkins. He's one of the best receivers in the league. The compensation for him may not even be a first-round pick. It might be a second-round pick. Now, you got to see where you are with the cap and the dead dud money and all of that stuff, but yeah. I would expect that the Cardinals and the new GM, whoever that is, is going to come in and say, okay, yeah, let's. I'll move on from Hopkins. I'll, I'll let Hollywood Brown play this year out at his current contract and then make a decision on him. And in the meantime, I'll rebuild the roster with the draft picks that I have. So I do expect that that would happen. I, I think something, if the Cardinals are going to move off of him, and at this point I have no reason to think that they're not, even though there's going to be a $22 million dead cap hit that they're going to have to account for. I think the thing that helps the Cardinals the most here is just this recent history in the NFL. And by that, I mean Devontae Adams. I mean Tyree Kill. I mean A.J. Brown, right? Like last offseason, not even a year ago, three high-profile wide receivers. Now, granted, younger than DeAndre Hopkins, so I I get that part of it. But three high-profile receivers were traded in the offseason Two of those teams are making the playoffs in the Miami Dolphins AJ Brown, and the Philadelphia Tyree Eagles. Kill. Yep. A.J. Brown trade, and he had one of the best seasons for a receiver in the history of Philadelphia Eagles. Yep. Right? So A.J. Brown, Tyree Kill, those trades worked out for veteran players that were really good for their teams. Devontae Adams didn't work out in Vegas, and so that's the no, one that did ca- not work out. But it, it, I think there's a template now out there of, hey, if you think you're close, if you think you're right there on the doorstep of being an elite team, go trade for an elite wide receiver and see if he can push you over the top the way Tyreek did Hill did. Yeah. Hollywood Brown was a thousand yard receiver. I mean, they traded for Hollywood Brown. Well, I mean, the Cardinals, they have a first round pick to get him. Cardinals did it with D-Hop the first time around, right? right but they also did it this year. Yeah. Right? They made the playoffs last year and Hopkins is going to be out. We need, a, we need a, a top receiver to go get Hollywood Brown. I think that helps the Cardinals in their attempts to move DeAndre Hopkins. I think that helps the Cardinals in creating a market. And I tell you, just yesterday, the, the report from Jordan Schultz that the Cardinals were ready to move on from D-Hop Man, there was reaction to that story in Chicago. There was reaction to that story in Denver. There was a top five list that came out on the Pro Football Network on top five landing spots. Giants, for DeAndre Patriots. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I even saw some of the. Should the Falcons get in on DeAndre Hopkins? Like the Falcons. Falcons. Like, yeah, yeah. There was a report on the Falcons that I saw. Like, it, like I think every team when a player that like that becomes available, every team you need to do your homework. You yeah. need to say, is that a fit for us? I, I think I think you do too. It's just some teams feel like they're closer than others, right? right? Some teams right. like 
The Broncos? Okay. Russell Wilson, he's got Jerry Judy, but a guy like DeAndre Hopkins in terms of a weapon for him to throw to. I know Mitch is a Denver Broncos fan. I'm sure he would really enjoy having DeAndre Hopkins. No, eh, eh, not not really. No. Okay. Um, the Bears is Justin Fields close enough? Yeah, there it is. The Falcons that. trade for Cardinals to DeAndre Hopkins. Why Atlanta should do it? The Gwinnett the Daily, Daily Post. Post. Falcons should trade for DeAndre Hopkins. It's a newspaper story. Yeah, why they should trade for Hopkins. Yeah. Um, the New England Patriots make a lot of sense to me. A lot of sense. Anytime that there's a wide receiver, it makes sense for the Patriots, isn't it? Do you feel like it's always been that way? They've been looking for somebody since Randy Moss. Since Randy Moss. They haven't had it. And we've got that hard knocks footage of Bill Belichick. Just, oh, man, I love you. You're one of the best ever. You know, that there's sideline conversation that they had, the two of them. I think the Browns make sense. For Deshaun Watson. Uh-huh. Mm. Uh-huh. I think that Look, one... I don't care where he goes. Tell me I'm getting a second round pick. I'll take him. I don't really care where he goes. <laughs> like, there's no. I don't disagree listen, with that. DeAndre, these guys that are only here for a really short amount of time, like, it's hard to get attached to them and look at them as, like, even JJ Watt, in all honesty. Like, J.J. Watt, was here for two years. Like, it's not the same as, like, Larry Fitzgerald. <laughs> you know, it's not the same as, you know, Anquan Bolden or Darnell Dockett or some of the other guys. I mean, it's hard to make an immediate impact if you're, unless you do something like Kurt Warner and go into the Super Bowl. Like, that's different. Mm-hmm. But if you're only here for, like, two years, three years, and you know, there's no impact. They didn't win any playoff games with any of these guys. Yeah. So, like, it's hard to have that attachment to these players. And again, nothing against, I'm going to put J.J. Watt in the same category as DeAndre Hopkins. Good players. They were good players. Yeah. They were good players when they were here. They were both good players, but there's no love lost with those guys. There's no, like, oh, my God, like, oh, my God, we're going to miss those guys. No, you're not. There's, you no, miss- there's no sentimental attachment to them. That- that's the. That's exactly right. There's no sentimental attachment to those guys. No, no. Not, there's. There's really. I mean, we, there's appreciation for what they did. Uh, yeah. There, and, yeah. And, and really for both of them. I mean, DeAndre Hopkins. And I tell you, I think the thing benefiting Hopkins too in the Cardinals, he can still play. I mean, he the numbers he put up in just, what, nine games that he played this year, he missed the last two. We think about the numbers, the pace that he was on just the first two games that he was back. DeAndre Hopkins can still absolutely play. I'd, I'd be disappointed if it's anything less than a second-rounder for him. I think somebody will pony up a second-rounder for him. I do. It does come a point where, you know, are you better off just holding on to him if you can't get anything of value? But I think a second-round pick is very, very fair. He still has a lot left. He's still a great player. Well, okay, here's the thing. Even if you hold on to him, you're going to have to redo his contract. He's got a $31 million cap hit He was next never year. coming back with that cap hit. Never. That was never going to so, happen. So let's, let's say you, you, you search around the marketplace and you go, yeah, there's nothing here we like. We'll just go ahead and keep him. Okay, we'll, we'll redo the And then redoing the contract is giving him guaranteed money. Do you really want to, you know, at this point, is, is, is any of that worth it? Or are you just better off taking what is, by all accounts, a $22 million dead cap hit, which I think you can spread out over two years. I don't know for sure with a player like that that you trade. I think you can. I'd have to do a little more homework on that to know for sure. Um you're, you're probably better off doing than that because one way or another, you're either going to have to restructure the contract to keep them or you're going to have to have the dead cap to trade them. And, and that's that's just life. That's You kicked to bring them in, to give them the extension, you kicked the can to this year. 
this was the deciding year for DeAndre Hopkins. Time to make a decision. It's just easier to let him go. Well, that's going to be one of the jobs of the GM is to just clear up that cap space situation. Make sure you're in a good spot going forward to be able to, so that when you are a competitive team, you can go make the moves that you need to make. That's why a lot of people think the Bears could be where D-Hop goes. They've got like $100 million in cap space. They can shop if they want. They can absolutely go spend money if they want to do it. Um, are they close enough that? And like you said, and I agree. Do we care where D Hop ends up? No, not really. I mean, it, it's I, I want to go. I want him to go wherever the most return is for his services. Um, but I just starting to look at teams where he could go. Chicago. That's the reason why they're mentioned so often. They got draft picks and they got money to spend, and a young quarterback who might be ready to take the leap into that next step. And might need a hop. You know, to just do it. for like example, like when Calais Campbell left, there was some sentimental value there with Calais. He mm-hmm. didn't want to leave. Mm-hmm. He didn't want to leave. He even gave the Cardinals a last effort to try to match the offer and obviously got a big deal, went to Jacksonville and Baltimore, and he's been a great player. And I think I followed Calais. I'm not a follow like Hopkins that much, unless you're a fantasy football guy and you need a wide receiver. Who was the last player we were sentimental about leaving that the Cardinals? Left? That left. That were like, oh no, 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 don't go. Don't go. We like you. Don't go. We're, we're who was it? Who was the last one? I, I don't think Christian Kirk was. I liked Christian. I I, I wasn't Hassan Reddick. No, sentimental. No, because he wasn't really. There was no, there was no sentimental. Kirk Please don't go. Good. Who was the last one? I mean, I, I mentioned Calais Campbell, so it'd have to be somebody after Calais if you want to try to. And Calais was. I mean, that's probably almost ten years ago, right? Oh, my God. Was it 10 years ago that he went to Jacksonville? Let me see. Can't be 10 years ago. Uh, my God, the time is going. Maybe not 10, but I bet it's, let's see. Is there a running Chase Edmonds? No. Um, any wide receivers? I mean, Calais is the last guy that I can think of. Like, okay, no, it wasn't It wasn't 10 years ago. I'm sorry. It was Seven? It was seven years ago. Okay. It was seven years ago. He last played here in 2016. So, yeah, it was seven okay. years ago. The last... And that might be like an open-ended thing to put out on the old Twitter machine there. Who was the last player? Jay we Fieli. Sent- <laughs> we were sentimental about leaving the Cardinals. B.A.? Oh. Brosarians? B.A. Uh, Carson retired. I, well, yeah, I know. But I was. I still... B.A. came back to coach. Kind of retired. but then came- B.A.? Calais? I was sad about the BA thing is I remember at the time thinking I'm ready for them to try something else to coach. Man, I, I want I want to go back in time and shake myself out of that take. That's such a bad take. What was your take? That it was probably time to move on from BA. I was looking forward to a different voice of coach that it it kind of run its course. Oh man. I want to go I want to I want to shake that man. I want to find myself, and I want to. I want to give that man a good stern talking to, and tell him what's what. Certainly wasn't Patrick Peterson. I'll no, tell you that right now. No. Go to at Burns and Gambo if you're screaming at your radio right now. Yeah. We just put that question up give there. Us, let us know. Give us some names. Who was the last player you would say you were really sentimental about and didn't want to see leave? God, what Michael it, Crabtree? Was it Fitz? Ah, someone um, said Honey Badger. I, I oh, mentioned Honey a, yeah, Badger. That's a good one. I mentioned that's Honey a, Badger. That's a really good one, the Honey Badger. And someone um, did say JJ recently, even though he didn't have you know the great Cardinals career, still kind of sentimental about him leaving. I'm not. I'm just glad JJ finished his Cardinals career the way he did. I don't Carlos know if Dansby. 
Mm, nah, no. because I think he was done at the end. Like he he was here, then he left, and he came back. They got everything they could out of him. Which time was I sentimental about him leaving? He left like five times. <laughs> Kept coming back. <laughs> he left, he would come back. He would leave, he'd come back. You know what? We'll read some of the ones when we come back on the Burns and Gambo show. When we come back, they've won eleven in a row at home. They might be the most complete threat in the Western Conference. They might have a three-time MVP winner on the roster. Yeah, it's a tough one tonight for the Suns. We'll talk about that next. Burns and Gambo. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports. The local sports leader. So for the Phoenix Suns and, you know, basking in the glow of what was a really pleasant surprise win last night against the Golden State Warriors. Man, they played so hard. They did such a good job on the boards. Uh, Damian Lee had a great game. Mikel Bridges had a really, really good game last night. Dario Saric was that connector, you know, seeing the, the passing lanes and getting everybody involved the way he did. Second night of a back-to-back tonight for the Phoenix Suns. They're in Denver taking on the Nuggets, a team that's won 11 straight games at home. Number one seed in the Western Conference. There there are basically there are people around the NBA Gambo who are talking about Nikola Jokic winning the MVP again hmm. this year. And the only reason they say he won't get it is because some voters might hold against him. That he's already won it twice. And he's already won it twice, and they've never won a championship. They've yeah. never even been to the Western Conference Finals, Well, they didn't, have, finals, they didn't right? have Jamal Murray last year. 2020, they did. I'm sorry. Yeah, there was one year they went to the Western Conference Finals. Thank you, Mitch. I appreciate that. So... Uh, like they're, they're like that's the only reason to not give him the award because they're like is he really that high up on the food chain in the NBA that he'd be a three time MVP winner in three consecutive years? Well, I think you look. You got Giannis, you got Tatum in the East, you've got Luca in the West as well. So I think there's definitely going to be competition. But nobody has more triple doubles than he does. Nobody, even against the you know the game the other night against the the Lakers when they beat them. Jamal Murray was huge, had 34 points, but Jokic triple double, 14 points, 11 rebounds, and 16 assists. 16 assists. So you know. He He's, he's playing great basketball right now. They're a good team with Murray back and starting to play well. Um, they're just they're great. Bruce Brown off the bench has been good for them. So that's a team that I think that they're, you know, with Murray back, that they're much more of a threat than we've considered them, you know, especially like last year and the year before when the Suns punked them in four games. They're very good. And this is a rematch of the, uh, the Christmas Day game yeah. between the Suns and the Nuggets. But the Nuggets are playing great basketball, and they are an awesome team at home. And I should say the Grizzlies are tied for first in the Western Conference. The Denver's not just there by themselves. In that Christmas night game, the Suns were in some ways shockingly competitive in that game too. A game that they probably should have, could have won. That was the game they lost Devin Booker four minutes in with the groin injury in which he probably shouldn't have been playing anyway. Probably just wanted to play because it was Christmas Day. We don't know that for sure. But yeah, this is this is tough. And I think Denver has definitely evolved beyond that team, like you said, where like, oh, I'm cool with seeing Denver in the playoffs, you know? They don't... Yeah, they're scary. They're, they're, they're scary, and I, I tell you, another guy, and this trade is almost a year old now, Aaron Gordon. He looks... I mean, when he's playing in that system with everybody there, it's so easy to make him look great. Yeah. Right? He gets set up for the easiest they, baskets, and he just gets to shine in that system. And if I remember correctly, Mitch, Mitch is a Nuggets fan. Didn't they get Aaron Gordon, and then Murray went down like within a week? 
Literally it, within like eight games. Within a game, within a few games, right? Yeah. Like they didn't even play together last year. Like it was like God, we tra- traded for Gordon, and it looked like a great trade. But then Murray goes down, and he's out for the year. And it's like, okay, well, you got Aaron Gordon, but um, you know, no, he's listen. He, he's he's a good player. He definitely wasn't. People have talked about whether the Suns would like him. He's definitely suited to be the the third guy on a team. Yeah. Like he's one of those guys, like in Orlando. See, and this happens sometimes. You take a guy like Aaron Gordon, you put him somewhere, and he's. You you expect him to be great, and you expect him to be the number one guy. He's not really, but if you put him on a team like Denver, and now you got Murray, you're like, okay, Jokic, Murray, and then you. Like, he fits in perfectly. He's been, and there's so many players in the league like that that are kind of like, you know, um, over emphasize whatever the word is when when you expect a guy to be a number one or a number two and he's just not capable he's of that cast in that miscast yeah. good yeah missed cast as a top guy but then he goes somewhere else you're not asking him to do as much and he doesn't have to shoot the ball as much but he all of his intangibles his athleticism his rebounding his blocking shots he could do all of those things without having the burden of having to score 25 points every night it's kind of what we're seeing with Mikel Bridges these last couple of weeks right yes you know? overcast if you if you need him to be like if the if the Nets would have traded Durant for him and said he's going to be our number one guy. Big mistake. Yeah, miscast. not suited he's, to be that he's guy. Not the number one guy, but a number three guy. And, and the Suns desperately miss Mikael Bridges being their number three guy because as a number three guy, he's one of the best number three guys in the NBA. But a number one or a number two? No. Now the problem for the Suns tonight, and I'll be really curious to see how much. Last night was great. They played with energy and intensity, and even though that fourth quarter where they had 13 turnovers in the fourth quarter was an absolute mess, and I swear if that game last night had been three minutes longer, think I think they, they would lose. Yeah. I think they lose because they were just they were running out of gas, and, and Golden State had all the momentum. No Landry Shamit tonight. No DeAndre Ayton tonight. No, um, no Chris Paul tonight. Those are the three guys that we're like any minute now. We expect them to be able to play. They've all been ruled out tonight. Obviously, still no campaign. No Cam Johnson. No Devin Booker. So you're going in tonight with basically the same nine guys you played with last night. You're doing it on the second night of a back to back. You're doing it at elevation. It's a how long can the Suns go tonight before their needle gets on empty? I think is, and we'll be watching that game, and we'll be talking about it tomorrow. How long can they go before we just start to see them run out of gas? Because I think it's inevitable that Denver's rested. Tonight. They're sitting at home. They're waiting for you. You play last night. You try. Yeah, I mean it's, and that was a late game last night. Yep. So I'm sure you got in kind of late. So got in late, having to go from San Francisco to Denver. Not a huge flight, but it was still, I'm sure, late. Two o'clock in the morning. Three yeah. o'clock like in the morning. All the cards like are stacked that. against them competing. Yeah. Tonight, all it, the cards are stacked against them winning this game tonight. Now. They come out and play and keep it close and keep. I don't want to say it's a moral victory kind of thing, but they come out and they play with that same sort of. Hey, you know what? Screw it. We can actually take this. That would be. I'd be very impressed by that tonight. Very impressed by that tonight. John Bloom, who's traveling with the team, says he didn't hit the pillow till close to five a.m. last oh, night. So wow. late, late night. Five a.m. He said close to five a.m. What yep. do they? What do they take a a, a horse? From I think they Golden State that was an eight, That was an eight o'clock game. I know. By the time you get out of the arena, but out of the arena, it's past midnight. Yeah, it's past the time midnight. You get to the airport. Then you got to take a bus one, to the airport. Yeah. You got to take a flight. Okay. You got to take a. How long's that flight? Hour and a half. From San Francisco to Denver, probably. Okay. Probably then you got to get a bus. You got to go. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. You're right. They right. probably didn't get on a plane until after one well, in the morning. Plus, if anybody's been to that airport in Denver, it is 
way the hell out of town. I mean, like it is like there's nothing out there. Have you ever flown into Denver before? Yes. Oh my god, it's like and it's huge. Too. It's enormous, and it's on the outskirts of everything. And okay, so five o'clock in the morning. Um, Saban Lee, uh, you had reported yesterday a ten day contract was coming. Today it came. Yes. They signed him to a 10-day contract. Former Corona del Sol Aztec from here in mm-hmm. town. James Jones said he's available tonight. If available they tonight. Him. If they so need maybe him. 10 and guys. Yeah. yeah, you might get it. You might get a fresh body in there to give somebody a break. Now, listen, these younger players, right? If you're Dwayne Washington, you're Ish, Ish Wayne, right? You're not affected. Jacques Lynn. There's a lot of these guys that aren't going to be affected by the back-to-back. Now, the one guy you worry about the most, and you brought this up yesterday, is just the wear and tear on Mikel Bridges having to play so much. And then the guys you has to guard. And, you know, do you wear him out a little bit? But a lot of these younger guys. That, that haven't played a lot of NBA games. The, you know, the, the second night of a back-to-back doesn't affect them the way it affects uh, a Mikhail Bridges who's playing, you know, 35 minutes a night or affects a Chris Paul who's an older player. Innings Festival is back. The two-day music festival featuring Green Day and Eddie Vedder and Weezer and The Offspring and so much more returns to Tampa Beach Park on February 25th and 26th. Tickets just went on sale. You can head to the contest page at ArizonaSports.com for complete details and your chance to win tickets. So, Sean Payton will be interviewing for the Cardinals head coaching job soon. We've got news about that and we've got news about the former coach of the Arizona Cardinals as well that you might want to hear next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons 2 till 6 on Arizona Sports. The local sports leader. Just real quick before we take off, Eric, what suggestions did you get on Twitter? I know it's only been about 20 minutes or so, but we put out this open-ended question talking about DeAndre Hopkins. When was the last time you were sentimental about a player leaving? I'm sorry, I'm asking you to scramble because I know you had kind of logged off your computer. No, we're good. I got it. Just off the top of your head or, or in terms of, what have you seen from that? So, obviously, the big name is Larry Fitzgerald. He's actually the most recent guy to leave, but we've got a couple different ones. Darnell Dockett, we've got uh, Michael Floyd, Daryl Walker, Washington. Michael Someone said Christian Kirk, so Michael, recently. Michael but, Floyd? Yeah. People were sentimental about Michael Floyd leaving? That, that's what they said. That's weird. I mean, that, look, the answer is Fitz, because it it wasn't that long ago that Fitz was still here. Right? you got to like, take him out of the I, I mean, yeah, it's almost like, okay, not him, because I, I get it that it's Calais him. Campbell. That's my guy. People are saying Anquan Bolden. Some are saying Tony Jefferson. Oh, TJ, yeah. I was a little sentimental about Tony Jefferson leaving. Yep. I'd probably, if, if, if not Fitz, probably go Tyron Matthew. I like Tyron. I really did. Didn't end well, but I, I, I like, I like Tyron. But I mean, the, the right answer is Fitz. It just, you know, he's also the, the obvious one. And he, he's, he's just the answer to everything. He really, just Fitz. <laughs> it really is the answer to all, the answer to all questions. All right. Thanks. Now, now we're, we're good. We get, we put that question out there on Twitter because we were talking about, uh, DeAndre Hopkins and how much you'd actually miss him while he's gone. So the big story of the day today, we circle back to the big story of the day. We've been talking about it all day long, but if you're just getting in your car, you're just tuning in. The Cardinals now have received permission to speak with Saints coach Sean Payton. Ian Rappaport was the first reported about three hours ago that uh, the Cardinals have asked for and received permission. He describes him, obviously, as one of the more coveted coaches available. Sean Payton has two other interviews looming now, one with the Broncos and then one with the Houston Texans just today. I think the Texans' job is a good job. You think so? Tell me why. 
I think they have two first-round picks this year, two first-round picks next year. You want to rebuild? Okay, they don't have a quarterback, so you could get your own quarterback. You know, you could draft over the next two years, the ability to draft one with all the first. Because I think they have two first this year and two first next year. And they got a bunch of picks. And then you've got you've got an owner willing to spend. Mm-hmm. And then again, like, so if you go to the Cardinals, you've got a quarterback. If you go to Denver, you got a quarterback. You may not love those quarterbacks. You might not. So if you go to Houston, you could kind of handpick your own guy, mm-hmm. whether it's trade, free agency, or drafting one. Mm-hmm. So I think you're a little bit, you know, you're, you're, you go to Denver or Arizona, your quarterback set. Like you don't have a chance that you don't have a say in that. You're, that's your guy. And in some ways, that's a good thing. And in some ways, in some that way might be a bad thing. thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Listen, you can say you like Kyler Murray all you want. He's coming off an ACL injury and he's a quarterback that needs to run mm-hmm. to be successful. Mm-hmm. So I think the Houston job is very attractive. So that's me personally. I said this yesterday, and I know you're kind of really, but yeah, I think that's a really good well, job. You know, it's it's actually, it's not a bad take. It, it's just, in the moment, I kind of thought, man, that ownership just got done firing first-year coaches back-to-back years. It, 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 it's been, it's honestly been kind of a bleep show in Houston the last few years, right? They had that team chaplain from New England who was practically running the organization, and he's kind of a fraud. They finally got him out of there. They've got, it, it's, it's just, it's not been a well run organization in terms of assets though you're not wrong and there is young talent there that young running back is really good the young cornerback is really good they, they've got and listen to this first round pick this year second overall and then 12th overall they got the second and 12th pick they have a second round pick 33rd so they have three picks in the top 33 then they have another third round pick then they have a fourth round pick a fifth round pick and then four sixth round picks they got 11 picks mm-hmm. like so you have the ability to maneuver like I just think that that that's like if you're a coach and you want to kind of start over and like you can bring in your own guys, players that fit your system a lot easier in Houston than I think somewhere else. And then the big question there is once again with Houston power. They Nick Casero is their new is their GM. He's not new GM. He's been there for a couple of years. He's by all accounts he's remaining there. So for Sean Payton, if he wants that kind of power that comes with that job. Is he going to be given that power in Houston? Maybe, And, and, and maybe, I don't know. Maybe he could work with Nick. Maybe, maybe they could, could work together. And maybe maybe he could. They have the same philosophies. And they, you know, if he's going to hire you, he's obviously not going to hire you and then tell you, you know, he's going to want your input. And you, If you hire a guy like Sean Payton as a GM, if you're an established GM and you're hiring him, you have to be willing to, you, you know, you're hiring because you think he's going to do a good job for you and you want it to work out. So you have to be able to go back and you know, bend over backwards a little bit to make the relationship work and allow allow him some input in what you're doing. Yeah, you would think so. Um, so now the Cardinals move forward with this interview. We don't know when it's going to be. We know when it's not going to be. It can't happen until January 17th. That's next Tuesday. Sean Payton had indicated that's the first chance he has to interview with the Broncos, so presumably the NFL isn't going to let him interview with anybody until January 17th. This is obviously the move everybody wanted to see here in Phoenix. This is the one we were all looking forward to. Tom Palacero on Twitter from NFL Network said he mentioned in a story with Ian Rappaport last weekend that Sean Payton had been doing homework on the Arizona job. He's a Kyler Murray fan, and with no GM in place, it would be an opportunity to set up the whole operation. Clearly with Arizona, that's going to be the appeal. There's no GM. They're starting from scratch. You want power. Sean Payton presumably would get power here. The other thing, and we don't know this for a fact, 
But it's been reported upon that it just doesn't make sense for the Saints to grant teams permission to speak with Sean Payton. Totally. Without. Unless those teams are willing to fork over the compensation the Saints want. Like, why would you waste everybody's time? Oh, yeah, sure. Go talk to our guy. I mean, we're not going to send him your way because you're not going to give us what we want. Why would anybody well, if you're the do Cardinals that? And you're not willing to give up your first or second round picks this year and you call the Saints for permission to talk to Sean Payton. Like, you got to be like, hey, like, you know, what would you want? Like, you have to have that conversation. You have to. Because then they'd be like, there's no reason for you to, like, we're not going to accept the first, we're not going to accept your third round pick. Yeah. Okay, now Sean Payton could decide where he's going to go. And wherever he wants to go, that team will work it out. Now, I would imagine the Saints will have some flexibility. Like, okay, if you're Houston, you know, you're not giving up the number two pick this year. If you're the Cardinals, you're probably not giving up the number three pick. I would be surprised if anybody gave up those picks um, because that would be a windfall for New Orleans. But, you know, there's got to be some flexibility. Like, okay, a first next year or we'll take your second this year with a fifth. So there's probably some flexibility if you're New Orleans. I would think so. And, and that's, this idea comes from a report over the weekend, again, from NFL.com, in which Ian Rappaport said, quote, the Denver and New Orleans, quote, the two sides appear to be on the same page about potential trade compensation. Rappaport reports the Broncos appear to be willing to meet the Saints' asking price. Um, well, because it, because he noted that for the Saints to permit a team to interview Peyton, they would need to know that team was prepared to meet their asking price. To. And it's a, the, the same, I think, applies to the Cardinals, and the same probably applies to the Houston Texans here. So you would think that part of it has at least, they've certainly has come up. Now we'll see. We'll see what Sean Payton wants. We've heard he's intrigued by Kyler Murray. He's mentioned many, many times that he likes Kyler Murray. He talked about it during the scouting combine before Kyler came into the league. He had that comment that he um, he gave to to Colin Cowherd. This was, um, I'm looking for it right now, see if I can find it here. This was, yeah, here it is. Uh, this was back in September after the Cardinals beat the Raiders, that crazy comeback by Kyler Murray. This is what Sean Payton would like to see for Kyler. Murray. What would I like to see? I, I'd love to see him uh, have a better running game under center. I'd love to see him hand the ball off to another really good player and take a deep breath. Some layups. And I, I, I want to see him have a few more layups. And I think when I need those plays, they're going to come spontaneously. The red zone or third down. Um, but I think that if we're counting on those every week, that's a stressful job. Like we're asking him to fly the Top Gun mission that we saw in the movie under the under Great the bridge, movie, by the way. under the bridge, turn the wing up the slope, drop the and each week. And I don't want that. I want him to cruise over Kansas and Missouri and Illinois. We'll see if he gets that chance to order him to cruise over Kansas and yeah. Missouri and Illinois. Uh, I, I wanted to mention this. I spoke with uh, Sandy Gomez, the wife of. Of, uh, our late friend Pedro Gomez just yesterday and uh, Pedro's they've got a foundation the Pedro Gomez Foundation they do a lot of great things in the community and they're doing something local here in Arizona for kids youth between the ages of 13 and 21 that that's geared towards becoming umpires if you want to become a paid umpire they've got a whole bunch of events coming up at Chase Field Thursday Saturday Sunday next Thursday the following Thursday and it's a 
great opportunity for kids between the ages of 13 and 21 years old who want to start working as an umpire. Now, all you have to do to get the information is go to umpscare.com. You could register. It's umpscare.com and the Pedro Gomez Foundation, the D-backs give back, all involved in the Umpscare Charities. It's an official leadership program where you can become a paid umpire. Again, youth between the ages of 13 and 21 and the Pedro Gomez Foundation very much involved in this. Go online at umpscare.com. That's good. Good cause. Appreciate you passing that along. When we come back, Kyler Murray, is he going to have a role in the search for a new head coach and general manager, or is that being overstated? We'll talk about it next here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Burns and Gambo, what's on tonight? Locally, the only local team in action tonight, the Phoenix Suns, who ended the losing streak for That's professional right. sports teams you in was, 2023. You I thought, thought it was going to be the Oats. I thought it was going to be the Oats. I had the D-backs. The Oats were looking good for a while. They were 2-1 against San Jose, and then they lost 4-2. Yeah, 4-2. Yes, yeah, so it was, it was uh, the Oats actually lost before the Suns won. So right now, for 2023, local professional sports teams are 1-12. and 12. 12. Is that what it was? Yeah, they were 0 and 11 because the Coyotes did lose before the Suns won. So they were 0 and 11 to start 2023. Now 1 and 12. (laughs) 1 and 12. We got this, Arizona. Our local professional sports team. So Cardinals were 0 and 2. Coyotes are 0 and 5. Suns are 1 and 4. Suns are 1 and 5. The Suns were... No, they were 0 for 4. The Suns were 0 for 4. 0 and 4. So they're 1 and 5 on the since 2000. They played, they played two games last night? Oh, they were, they were 0 and 4. They were 0 and 4. Coyotes were 0 and 4. Cardinals were 0 and 2. Suns won last night, so now they're 1 and 4. Is it 1 and 4? Okay. Right? All right. All right. If you'll say so. If you say so. <laughs> Whatever. Hold on. How you going to make me look? Just make sure. I'm, this is the dumbest show on radio, right? I mean, we've established this, right? I thought they were... They might be right. They are one and four on this on this in year. Twenty twenty three. One and four. They are one and four. Okay. Twenty twenty three. Phew. Yes, they played five games. We are not. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> they, yeah, played, but, they played two games last night. I'm confused. You know yeah. that game in Toronto kind of ended past midnight on December. Th- no, it would be <laughs> December thirty first. Yeah, right, right. Stop. Uh, You're just digging yourself a deeper days. hole. Don't all do right, it. We're one in twelve. One in twelve. Professional sports teams are one in twelve. You know what? The Cardinals go get themselves from Sean Payton. It'll make up for all of it. It'll be fine. It'll be, it'll be f- I don't care. I think what. we're looking at one and thirteen after tonight. Uh, maybe they're in Denver taking on the Nuggets. That's what's on tonight. Eight o'clock tip time. Go get Sean Payton. Everything's fine. No pressure. <laughs> no pressure, Michael. <laughs> go get Sean Payton and cure all well, of our ills. We're having a rough start to 2023. Just go get Sean Payton. You can make it all better, Michael. Just go get Sean yeah. Payton and everything's everything's okay. Everything's all right. Um, I meant to play this in the last segment. We'll talk about Kyler here in a minute. Um, Albert Breer. 
on NBC Sports Boston had this to say about the Patriots and Cliff Kingsbury. They absolutely made phone calls on him. Like, I know that they've done their research on Cliff, and it's really interesting. So wait, they've made phone calls. The Patriots make phone calls on Kingsbury, but not on O'Brien. Well, it's more background stuff. Okay. So they okay. haven't contacted Kingsbury directly, to my knowledge, but I do know that they've done some homework on him. And, um, I, you know, I, I think Bill does have a level of fascination with what Kingsbury's done. You know, for as much criticism as he got for the way his offense runs, um, there is Create the Cardinals were as creative as any team in the league. They, they were very difficult to deal with because they did so many things differently than NFL teams do them. There, there's a great promo that we're playing on the station right now for our morning show in which Bickley and Marauder were talking about something like this, and they made a really good point. I'll be really curious to see what Cliff's offense looks like when he doesn't have Kyler Murray as his quarterback, and I'll be really curious to see what Kyler Murray looks like when he doesn't have Cliff. Sure as his offensive coordinator. Well, there's reports out of Boston right now that Belichick is uh, reportedly set to shake up the Patriots' offensive coaching staff after he had met with the owner, Robert Kraft. Uh, and it says that the Patriots are going to have no shortage of options if they look outside the organization for offensive coaches. Maybe Cliff Kingsbury? You know, maybe not. But we do know that the Patriots' offense was an utter disaster this year. They were 26th in the NFL in total offense, just 314 yards per game. And at that a good player in the backfield in Stevenson. Uh, but they were 24th in the league in rushing yards per game, 29th in third down percentage, and dead last in red zone touchdown percentage. They need an overhaul. They need some new coaching in there. Yeah, Cliff, I- I've reached out to find out if Cliff would be interested, but it does say in the Boston paper, other potential candidates to help retool New England's offense include recently fired Cardinals head coach Cliff Kingsbury. Interesting. I'm going to play the soundbite from Mike Greenberg of ESPN on Greeny yesterday. This, Speaking of Kyler Murray, this idea that he's going to have input into the Cardinals head coaching search. Kyler Murray will have input into who their new coach is. What, is Kyler going to play Call of Duty with this guy and decide this is who should be the coach? That organization has absolutely no idea what it's doing. Like, as a Jet fan, I feel better. Like, yeah, we got the quarterback all wrong. Couldn't have gotten him all wrong. Disastrously wrong. But we didn't extend Robert Sala 10 months ago for five years and then fire him on Monday. That's a joke. Okay, I'll give him that with the coaching. You, you extend a guy and then 10 months later you fire him. I get that. But the idea of Kyler having input, here's Michael Bidwell's comment from Monday. I think we're overblowing this a little bit. We're in communication and uh, and and we should be talking later today. We're texted and, and either today or tomorrow and so absolutely want to get the input of uh, our leaders uh, including Kyler and spoken with uh, a number of leaders already. And that's it. That's it. That's all he said. And from that, it's like being presented as this idea that Kyler's going to somehow be able to rubber stamp who the coach is going to be. I agree with you. It's overblown. I don't, I don't, when you play that back, I think what they're doing is they're taking this out of, out of context. I, I, they are. I think they're taking it out of context. So I'm going to speak with leaders. Doesn't say I'm going to speak with the leaders and I want their input on who the head coach should be and what kind of system we should run. And when, because you're not going to do that. Kyler Murray's not choosing. I, I want a coach that Kyler doesn't want. That That's makes what him I uncomfortable. Want. Makes right. him uncomfortable. That's going to do it for us. We're out of here. We're going to see you tomorrow from Sanderson Ford, straight up two o'clock right here on the Burns and Gambo show. Have a great night, everyone. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go. Go.